Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. With me today is uh, Bucky Dent and Les Winkler. It kills him every week. <laughs> we're uh, we're here in the middle of December. He's milking the thing out now. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Is... Wouldn't want to interrupt the, uh, the applause. <laughs> Everyone deserves a standing ovation once in their life. I always, uh, I always say. So uh, December fifteenth coming up, and then uh, December twenty fifth will be here before you know it. Uh, holiday basketball tournament. Some of the seeds have been announced for our big tournaments in this region. Uh, Pinckneyville's uh, tournament, I think, has a different feel this year, right? Doesn't have some new teams in it? No, the coin's out, replaced by Woodlawn, which is one of the better Class 1A teams around here. Pinckneyville is uh-huh. the top seed for it. They are undefeated, and I'm going up to Edwardsville tomorrow for a very interesting test for the Panthers. They play Chicago Ore, which, as we know, is the defending 2A state champs and beat Nashville in last year's final. So that's going to be a pretty good gauge of what we might be able to expect from Pinkyville as far as how far they can get in the postseason because Orr is going to be pretty tough again this year. Yeah, a lot of Centralia is going to be pretty good field. Uh, Cesar Valier, El Dorado, uh, Carbondale's annual tournament. They've named it after Paul Bates, uh, who just died uh, this year or late last year. Uh, he was like their longtime score, scorekeeper. Um, and then the Benton Girls Tournament is expanding to 16 teams this year. That should be pretty interesting. Carterville is the top seed uh, with uh, Janaya. Is it Janaya Stewart? Thompson. Janaya Thompson. Thompson, the uh, SIU recruit, uh, playing for the uh, Lady Lions. But uh, which top seed do you think will struggle? Which do you think will will have a problem getting to the semis in their tournament? In that tournament, or any tournament? Well. Right now, I think I think the you know Les saw this team play last night. Harrisburg is uh, off to an 11-0 start, which might surprise some people because they lost four starters off their team last year that went to the sectionals. Mm-hmm. But they also got the return of two players that had to sit out last year with injuries that really could have made a difference, as we're seeing right now. Lauren McDaniel and Lydia Miller, both uh, six-footers who have real skills, and they have built some quality depth in that program from years of winning. Jake Stewart does a fine job with that ball club, and they expect to win every time they go out. So I think you'll see Harrisburg be a factor in that tournament. Possibly Hamilton County could be, although they've taken a couple of losses here lately. They did open with 11 consecutive wins. You can't discount Benton in its tournament. They reached the finals last year. That's a pretty solid girls' tournament. Yeah, the uh, uh, I think Hamilton County is is missing their point guard. I forget her first name, Miller. Uh, Anna was, Miller. Yeah, she's a very very nice player last year. Good distributor. They got some people back, but uh, you know, a point guard is 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 the toughest position to replace. And uh, just just to expand on the Harrisburg uh, girls a little bit. Uh, um, <clears throat> Miller and McDaniel are uh, two different types of players. Miller's a Miller's a, a big strong post with some with some good post moves. And uh, McDaniel can get on the floor and uh, shoot threes, and she moves the ball up and down the floor. She can score in transition, score on the run. Uh, they're, they they looked every bit uh, an 11 and 0 team last night. They, uh, they they've got a they've got a lot of depth that uh, the the talent doesn't drop off when you when you go to the nine and ten kid on the bench. It's pretty remarkable. The other tournament you touched on, I want to focus on for just a bit here. The tournament at Cesar Valier. I think it's setting up for a potentially great championship game if these top two seeds live up to their billing in Gorville and Christopher. 
Uh, Gorville won its tournament uh, last week, beat Benton by, I think, 11 or 12 points in the championship game. Gorville has shown they can win games in different ways so far this year. They can beat you by outscoring you. And if you slow them down, they have the strength and the, and the defensive chops now to win a game 50 to 40 if it has to. That's one of the things I think is most improved about Gorville this year. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Christopher play at some point. Eric Stallman's built a very solid team. They had a lot of young kids last year. Paid the price in the one-loss column, but they've obviously gotten a whole lot better. And he does a pretty solid job year in, year out with that program. So Christopher unbeaten so far. Kind of looking forward to seeing what they do in that tournament. You know, the, I really love the atmosphere at Sessor and El Dorado and Pinckneyville. The, 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 the fact that the teams are all from the area just creates a great atmosphere, whether it's an 8 a.m. game or a 10 p.m. game. Uh, El Dorado, if uh, you took a photo of the gym, you'd be hard-pressed hard to guess whether it was an early morning game or a mid-afternoon game. The crowd is always there. The people are into it. The natural, the natural rivalries create uh, tension throughout the tournament, so it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I was there last year when we did the first edition of Hoopy Holidays, which we're going to repeat again this year, by the way. At a 10.30 a.m. game at El Dorado, the place was probably about 80 85% packed at 10.30 in the morning, which pretty much tells you what you need to know. So Bucky's going to five tournaments in one day, so if anybody's looking for a Christmas present for him, uh, after all those hospitality rooms, the Weight Watchers... Uh, uh, <laughs> a gas card. <laughs> a gas card. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that gas card might come in pretty handy. And I know Gorville's good defensively, but don't if you beat somebody, don't you always outscore them? Well... <laughs> it's it's all it's all relative though. I mean, you, you know, when I think about scoring in those terms, I'm thinking eighty to seventy. You know, you know, fifty to forty. Yeah, it, it's by definition it's outscoring somebody. But those games are what you like. Pat Forty might call a rock fight. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think when you when you say outscore somebody, you think of a shootout type game, not yeah. not just. Overwhelm Literally. them. Overwhelm yeah. them offensively. Oh, he's, he's getting perhaps. Which reminds me of what he reminds me. Red Smith <laughs> did a story way back when on Vince Lombardi taking over the Packers, and he wrote last year the Packers overwhelmed one team, underwhelmed twelve, and whelmed the other. <laughs> <laughs> which might be one of the greatest lines ever written. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, yeah, I, I miss. I love Cesar Valier's gym. I've always loved El Dorado's gym. It's like a little mini arena. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. can walk, you can stand up and walk With all the, the way around. With the between the two yeah. benches for good measure. Yeah, it's very loud. Uh, it's I've always loved those gyms. And then the uh, Carmelo Tournament will be at the, uh, not the SIU Arena, the Banterra Center, uh, the right after Christmas, uh, 27th, I think. The Carmelo Tournament is going to end on a Sunday night this year. The championship game is going to be Sunday night, the 29th at 8 o'clock. And there's a chance, if the seedings hold, it could be a Carbondale-Murphy game. Again, yeah, It'd be a nice little rematch. Yeah, to, 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 to piggyback on the fine game those two teams played on Tuesday night that Carbondale pulled out in overtime, 57-52. And as Daryl Murphy told me afterwards, we ran out of plays because they only had three practice days 
with the nucleus of that team being on the football team that went to the state finals just a couple weeks ago, <laughs> which heard. is a good problem to have. <laughs> I heard of running out of players, but running out of plays. Yeah, that's uh, that they must have, they must have been really good at those four or five plays <laughs> they, they had in. Oh, any running any, them over and over that day. Any play that they run that involves Calvon Clemens, their outstanding sophomore point guard, driving to the basket is usually going to work because you can't stay in front of them. He got to the foul line over and over in that game. And, you know, Carbondale is a good defensive team most years, but he went to the foul line 11 times. You know, that tells you right there how hard he was to keep away from the bucket. Well, the, the Slukies are back in action uh, Sunday after finals week. Uh, they will also have some some challenges keeping the guards off the free throw line. Um, Drew Smith, former Evansville guard that uh, really gave them problems, uh, is back uh, with Missouri this year. He had to sit out last year after transferring in. Uh, he's a, I've always thought he's a really nice player, 6'3", big wingspan. He should have been on the all-defensive all team two years ago. Um, then they have the Illinois Player of the Year, Mark Smith uh, from Edwardsville, that started at Illinois, correct? Yes, mm-hmm. played two years at Illinois and transferred. Started at Illinois. He's their leading scorer. And then you forget about 6'10", Jeremiah Tillman, uh, who also uh, signed with Illinois originally, right, mm-hmm. before he changed flipped. his mind to uh, Missouri. Conzo uh, Martin, um, that game is at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. Slokies need a win, but uh, and Missouri really honestly needs a win too. They're 5-4. and four. They should be a lot better than what they are with that roster. Um, they did take Xavier to overtime uh, before losing. Um but they've uh, they've not been uh, a blowout uh, team. This is not a team that's going to blow no. SIU out. I don't think SIU can play a lot better than they did uh, last Saturday. I think they want to get back on the winning track. And then they've got two home games that'll be pretty manageable. I think right before the holiday and the uh, opening of conference play. But um, the, and then the women are playing SEMA, Murray, Murray State, State uh, tomorrow. Uh, what do you know about Murray State? Uh, Murray State's got a, a point guard who's averaging Macy Turley, I th- think her name is, is averaging 19 points a game. Uh, she's their leading scorer, also averages a little over four rebounds a game and almost five assists a game. And uh, Murray comes in at uh, six and two. Their only two losses are to Louisville and Mississippi State, a couple of top 25 teams. So uh, the Salukis will be completing their OVC tour. Yeah. Uh, unless, of course, they uh, end up with uh, Eastern Illinois in the uh, Compass Challenge next weekend. But uh, they played, this will be the fourth MVC team that they played, and so far they're 2-1. and one. So uh, this is not going to be an easy game uh, Easy game for uh, for the Salukis. They'll have to play very well. Uh, I just got off the phone with Cindy not too long ago, and she basically said that uh, they didn't do anything well at SEMO. They got beat by 15, which uh, it's not surprising that SEMO would beat them at home, but I don't, I don't think anybody... First saw, I guess, it was a 14, 69, uh, 79, 65. So um, they just haven't put it together yet this year. Uh, they've got all the pieces. Uh, I haven't seen a game yet where everybody has, everyone has played well. Uh, they're, you know, they've always got two or three people that play well, but then another couple people are maybe making some turnovers and stuff. So this this team still, in my mind, has a lot of potential. Uh, uh, if they can get the get all the pieces in place and, and get everybody playing well at the same time, could be a very good team. Well, the one thing I was going to point out, too, Todd was talking about the men's game on Sunday. Hansel Martin teams generally start off slow, and the other thing about them is they play kind of a Big Ten style of basketball. They're uh, a five-on-five team in the half court. They don't really run a whole lot. They like to try to use their strength and play inside out. 
And they also, as we mentioned, don't play all that well in the early season. They had a pretty brutal loss to Charleston Southern a couple of weeks ago. A sub-300 RPI, if I'm not mistaken, that hit a whole bunch of threes, won the game by eight. To me, this wouldn't be completely illogical for SIU to have a chance to win this game. And I'm saying this just because of Missouri's track record this year. Although they have the pieces, they have not played well yet. And they're a team that generally, and Nakonzo Martin, has played better in conference play than they do in the non-conference. I think this would be a, this is going to be a game where they miss Aaron Cook as well. Uh, playing playing mm-hmm. a team of Missouri's caliber without that, without that experienced point guard. Uh, Lance Jones, a freshman, who's played very well. Uh, we'll, right. we'll get we'll get thrown into the get thrown into the uh, the fray this this week's. But you know, I, I think down I think down the road, Cooks Cooks injury is going to pay dividends for SIU because Jones is getting some uh, invaluable invaluable experience running the team and getting a lot of playing time. Yeah, all three of those freshmen, him and Marcus Damask and Trent Brown, are getting a lot of minutes, almost thirty minutes a game uh, for this during this stretch without Aaron Cook and. You know, Eric McGill's had to do a little bit of everything and, and has. You know, his scoring's been a little up. His rebounding's been the leading rebounder two of the last three games, I think. And that's that says a lot about him, but it also says a lot about what Barrett Benson is not giving them. And that's he's not giving them a consistent guy in the middle that can uh, that can defend uh, without fouling and rebound and score. He is shooting a high percentage, but he's got to be they got to be uh, he's got to be more successful down there. Is what I say. Well, McGill and McGill and Cook are both excellent rebounding guards. But you're right. When you're shooting guards, you're leading rebounder. You're you're probably that's an area you probably want to shore up a little bit. But this team can shoot. I mean, they almost made fifty percent from the field um, against a, a Southern Miss team on the road that came out and pressed them the whole time. Uh, they had eighteen turnovers. They lose by three. Just did, did not play well the last three minutes. Uh, but the anytime you can shoot, anytime you got a three point shooting team, you're going to be a dangerous team to beat. Uh, well, and, they, and they have shot well on the road. Yeah, and, and too. I mean, I mean, they can. You know, when 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 Jones is on the floor, he's not he's not a good three point shooter. But McGill can McGill can fill it up. Marcus Damascus has shown that he he's an outstanding shooter. He gets his feet underneath him. Yeah. Um, um, Harwin's coming on. Har- he's. Harwin Francois. He, he's he's got a nice looking shot too. That is just it's, there's nothing prettier than when his shot goes through the goes mm-hmm. through the net. And uh, Brown the Brown came in with the reputation of being the shooter in the last couple games. He's shown it a little bit. Yeah. You know, there really is no greater equalizer than college basketball than the three point line for for a team like SIU that's kind of trying to find itself right now. And the fact you can shoot gives you hope in every game. You know the other things are going to come with time. But you give yourself a chance if you have shown the ability to make open shots, particularly from deep. And Tillman's the type of center. He's a skilled center, but he's not an overpowering physical center like like Hassan French or, you know, uh, the kid from Loyola, um, Cameron Crutwig, um, or even the guy from Missouri State, Gage Prim. He's a little. He's a, he's a better matchup for SIU actually than and, than anybody else would be. And Tillman's those other guys. history and his career suggests he's going to pick up fouls. He is very foul prone. He gets a couple quick fouls most of the time. So if he can do that to him and maybe chop down their size a little bit, that makes the matchup a bit better. So we'll see this weekend, and then the the women play at two p.m. Uh, they play on a Saturday, Sunday. correct? Oh, they they are playing on Sunday. So the women and the men playing both on Sunday. Um, 
the uh, Major League Baseball free agent season is, is a little ahead of schedule than it was last year. Uh, I remember the winter meetings were so droll last year, and now we've had three uh, three major signings. Um, Garrett Cole going to the Yankees, Anthony Rendon going to the Angels, and Steven Strasburg staying with Washington. Um, I, I guess I can't say I was really surprised at any three of those or the size of the contracts considering – that the Cole especially, as soon as you saw what Strasburg got, you got you had to imagine what but what Cole was going to get. What the hell are you thinking, giving a twenty-nine-year-old pitcher a nine-year deal? He's you're you're going you're going to get four years out of him, and at the height of his schedule, at the height of his uh, prowess, you'll get maybe two mediocre years. And if if uh, major league, the current major league history is any indicator, the last three years you're going to get nothing out of him. There were what two or three pitchers over thirty-five this year, and 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 Matt uh, um, Adam Wainwright was the best among them, and he was okay. To, to pay throw that kind of money uh, to a pitcher at his age, I think is just is ludicrous. This is the Yankees, and this is the rule. These are the rules they play under. If you don't win when you try it one way, you're going to go another way, and you're going to outspend everybody to get the guy you think you need. Yeah. And they can afford to burn $324 million on a guy who's going to make more than a million dollars a start over the course of his term in New York because they have the money to spend. They play by different rules than everybody else. That's just the way it is. I personally share less of skepticism with giving the pitcher that kind of term and money, although Cole is legitimately good. But these are the Yankees, and besides that, Scott Boris has raked in $81 million this week on his share of player contracts, so <laughs> if, all is right in his world, I promise you. If the Angels don't win this year, <laughs> when is when are people going to believe that you just can't keep throwing money to, to, to make a winning team? I mean, the, the lineup they're going to put out there is they're gonna, they have to take separate plane on the road just for the players' wallets. <laughs> Well, they're not done spending either. They're, they're apparently talking yeah, they're gonna about trading for... They're going to have to go out for another pitcher. Yeah, they're, gonna, they're talking about trading for Corey Kluber, which would be a nice start for their pitching staff. But their their pitching staff is pretty much trash. So they're going to have to get an ace from somewhere and maybe someone for the bullpen and probably about three more at least fungible arms after that. <laughs> their pitching staff was beyond awful last year. Well, hopefully Otani comes back and, and is, and is as good as they say. Both offensively and on the mound. And then you've you know, you got Mike Trout, you got Rendon in the lineup, but they're, but they're, they're not even the favorite in the American League, even with signing no, Rendon. I mean, they're but not even the, the favorite thing, in their division. With Cole, it moves all the other Yankees down, moves Tanaka down to a two or a three. And you've already got the lineup they have. Um, those four years are going to be a hell of a four years, you, though, with, for the Yankees. Uh, they, they still have 83-year-old uh, designated hitter Albert Pujols, too, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah right. the yeah, Angels yeah. do. Don't forget yeah. Justin Upton, who's, uh, who's yeah. pushing it in years now, but he still swings a pretty good bat. Yeah, and yeah. And then and then Washington, I mean, depends. you still got still got Strasburg. you still got uh, Big Max. Corbin. still got Max, right? That's right. Yeah, you're, so, they're still pretty loaded. I'm hoping. I'm hoping the Cubs. I would love to see the Cubs trade for Kluber, or they're they're gonna. They can't. They're not gonna be able to keep Bryant and um, the Baez. shortstop Baez. Baez. So I I was way against trading Bryant, but I I, I can see us I, I, trading him. I can I see, see us trading him for Chris Bryant deal right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't for see that. that. <laughs> yeah, he must be looking at a different different uh, crystal ball than I am. Then uh, they I are hope. gonna have to spend to keep Baez. <laughs> 
you know, because he's he's mm-hmm. their best player. They got to spend to keep him, and Brian's their most marketable guy right now. You're not going to trade Rizzo because he's a face of the franchise. You can argue why are you trading Bryant? Well, he's still coming up on his first big free agent free agent uh, signing period. He's still young. He's a former MVP. If you're going to trade him, you might as well try to get maximum value out of him while you can. Well, I hope he doesn't end up with the Cardinals because I just hate to see a guy his age being bored. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I want to see I want to see how that dynamic would play off. He, not that I anticipate the Cubs and Cardinals doing business, but. Hypothetically, if it did, I could, I could just see the commish having to ask that question yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with a little little gleam in his eye, too, knowing Rick, as, as I did when I covered the Cardinals for Sports Exchange. <laughs> yeah, that would be a weird dynamic, a very weird dynamic. Well, we, we don't want to lose our best player either, but our uh, our esteemed candidate, uh, esteemed leader, Les Winkler, is uh, is retiring, not in March, but in December. Uh, so we'll be sad to see you go, but we've uh, we've appreciated all 31, 30 years. Uh, I've I've had the privilege of having uh, 16 with him, and uh, Bucky just recently uh, full time, but he's a, he was a part timer for us, a stringer for us for years. So, uh, what do you remember about your first day, Les? <laughs> my my first day, uh, no one was here. Mm. They had me show up at eight o'clock in the morning, and. Uh, no one was here until 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. Well, actually, uh, I won't mention any names, but there was one. Journalism must have been so exciting that yeah. day. Yeah. There, like, there, wow, I made a great decision. I, I, there was one staff member here, and I won't, I won't mention any names, but I came in, and he was sitting at his computer, and he looked at me, and he goes, I'm busy. I don't have time to mess with you today. And so I sat there at the desk for like six hours until somebody came in. And someone finally told me how to log on to the computer and, and start doing some work. It was a very inauspicious beginning, I'll say that. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of days since then that were busier. <laughs> and were you hired to do outdoors? Yeah, I was, primar- I, I was brought here to do outdoors primarily. Uh, when they hired me, um, uh, Carl Rexroad was the editor at the time, and he said he did not want to see me in the building because if, uh, if I was in the building, he didn't figure I was doing what uh, – what what they hired me to do so for several years i managed to spend a whole lot of time on the lakes and on the water doing a lot of fishing and uh met a lot of great people told a lot of stories that i enjoyed so uh it's uh it's it's a bittersweet moment but it's time yeah yeah well we'll uh we'll try to get less on the podcast next week um and then uh one last one for for old time's sake can't have to play some old lang syne or (laughs) Can we can we record uh, we record uh, applause and stuff so that, uh, that there's not just you uh, clapping for Todd in the future then? Because uh. <laughs> yeah, that's going to seem awfully lame if it's just me clapping for Todd. You know, so. Maybe I'll clap for myself and I won't tell anybody. Wow. That's the power of radio there. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, subscribe to the Southern Illinoisan. Call uh, 618-529-5454. Thanks for joining us.